I'm Nicole Ferraro, and this is The Divide, a podcast from Light Reading exploring the ongoing digital divide, why and where it still exists, and what needs to be done to get people everywhere connected to reliable, high-speed internet. Today, I am joined by Mara Mahoney and Patrick Coughlin with First Light Fiber, a digital infrastructure provider servicing enterprise and carrier customers on its fiber network spanning from Maine to Pennsylvania. We discuss how the company's middle mile fiber network is helping bridge the digital divide in the communities it serves, including through its partnerships with nonprofits and educational institutions. We also discussed First Light's plans to apply for NTIA middle mile grants, the company's work on network resiliency, and more. All right, Maura and Patrick, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to the podcast. Um, to start things off, I would love to give you both an opportunity to introduce yourselves and your roles at First Light. Uh, Patrick, let's start with you. Sure, thank you. And it's a pleasure to be part of this. Um, my name is Patrick Coughlin. I'm Chief Development Officer for First Light. Uh, in that role, uh, I'm involved with M&A, biz development. Um, prior to this role in 2019, I was Chief Revenue Officer for First Light from Roughly 2013 to 2019. Okay, and how about you, Mara? I'm Mara Mahoney. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer for First Light. Been with the company almost 10 years, and in my role, I'm responsible of all aspects of both marketing and product management. Okay, awesome. So sticking um, sticking with you, Mara, I would love for you to give a little bit more background on First Light, um, some history, where it currently delivers fiber, um, how many miles you've built so far, and uh, some partners that are delivering service on, on your network. Sure. So First Light's headquartered in Albany, New York, and we provide the critical digital infrastructure services, including Ethernet, Wavelength, voice services, um, managed services, and cloud services to enterprise and carrier customers throughout the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic. We have more than 13,000 locations lit on our network with more than 125,000 serviceable over our 25,000 route mile network that spans from Maine down to Pennsylvania um, and out to Western New York. We like to say Bangor to Buffalo um, is where our network spans. Our customers include leading national cellular providers, wireline carriers, enterprises, including high-tech manufacturing, research, hospitals, healthcare, banking and financial services, education, including colleges and universities, and local, local state and governments. Okay, great. Um, so I'm going to come back to you to talk a little bit more about some of those partnerships, but coming to you, Patrick, for a moment, um, I'd love to hear a little bit about where your work intersects with the digital divide. So where is First Light building service to unserved and underserved communities? Um, and tell me a bit about how state and federal funding is state and federal funding is factoring into your existing build and your future build plans. Sure. So, you know, First Light is actually our reputation and what we're known for is delivering uh, high capacity uh, digital services out to tier one, tier two, tier three, even tier four uh, mm -hmm. locations across our footprint. So, you know, we can take, as Mara said, we can take a customer from Fort Kent, Maine, all the way down to New York City or Boston. Um, and we're delivering it again on a 100 gig backbone. And really what we like to say is because we support very large wireless carriers on our network, uh, the enterprise and customers on our, in our footprint um, also get the benefit of that infrastructure. So it's a carrier grade infrastructure that is supporting, again, enterprise and carrier wholesale customers. Um, and they both benefit by the investments we've made over the course of the last couple of years. 
Um, when it comes to actually federal, state and federal stimulus dollars, First Light actually, starting in 2012, um, acquired uh, throughout the, the course of the next seven years, starting in 2012, um, acquiring a lot of the middle mile networks that were first developed in 2010. So mm-hmm. today we operate the middle mile networks in New York, Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, and Pennsylvania. Okay. And really what we're looking for now, and by the way, we, we uh, acquired those companies, but First Light actually has made significant investments in the network itself. We are exploring um, and, and hopefully will intend uh, in um, taking or looking at uh, investments from the federal dollars that are coming in to extend the middle mile network. Okay. Um, logically, you would think it would be much more efficient if First Light was to extend off the middle mile networks that are there. Um, and so we've done outreach to fiber to the home companies, uh, broadband municipal networks, state and federal governments to let them know, here's our plan, here are our ideas. Um, again, make, having it be a collaborative effort as we design the network to hopefully provide, again, and close the digital divide. So you, uh, you and I are talking, and you and I and I, the three of us are talking on September 23rd. Um, so you must be getting close to the point of having to submit these applications, right? How has that process been going for you so far? So it has been a whirlwind of activity at First Light. Um, we have a team that's been dedicated to this for, for a couple of months now, and we do intend on um, submitting the applications over the course of the next couple of days, actually. Okay. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> um, so, Mara, coming back to you then, um, with uh, some of, you were mentioning earlier some of the types of organizations that First Light works with, um, and I understand that you work with nonprofits and other institutions as part of your digital divide work. So, could you talk to me a, a little bit more about that and share some examples? Sure. So we're very invested in the communities in which we live and serve. You know, we're a locally based company. We have employees and offices in all the regions. And Patrick has, you know, mentioned it before, but, you know, when we were putting together our networks, proposed networks and builds, we work very closely with the communities, um, the broadband institutions, the organizations where it is so critical to bridge this digital divide and get their input in terms of where they see the areas of need are. Obviously we have the demographics and the, you know, the information on unserved and underserved areas, but we really wanted to hear from the communities. We are in certain instances working with local communities who wanna extend the middle mile network out and do the last mile connectivity. Those are communities themselves. Those are organizations that are being formed as well as companies like Hub66, which we announced we, we are working with them they are leveraging our network to connect to the end mile. But I think we're all unified behind this, you know, bridging the digital divide in the local communities and having it done by people that live and work here is really important to us. Yeah. And, you know, you're making me think a little bit because like you're saying, Patrick, you guys are going to be applying for the middle mile grants. But like you're saying, Mara, you have these other institutions that want to build on what you've already built. So there's an opportunity for, you know, municipalities or some of these other community based organizations to almost work with you all on their own grant applications to say we have this fiber that exists through First Light that will enable us to. Are you, are you guys thinking about it like that at all? Uh, either yeah. We we absolutely are. We like to think we're building the the highway system to get to the end users. Um, And without it, you know, those those opportunities for, you know, fiber to the home, they would be islands. 
So what you're trying to do is create this highway of on-ramps and off-ramps so that they can, they can have choices, competitive choices for the services for their end users. Anything you want to add to that, Maura? Sure. And in addition to that, because we have a construction team in-house, not only can we provide the middle mile network, we can also support them in the build out of their local network infrastructure. So we can really partner in many ways, um, lease services to them, you know, should provide our construction expertise and teams um, to make their project shovel ready, which is so important. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's that's really significant. And the construction team that you have in-house, that was part of an acquisition at some point, right? It was t- Todd Cable Construction that we acquired back in 2017. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So um, coming back to you, Patrick, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about network stability as a digital divide issue. It's something I'm thinking about as you know, we're seeing so much rapid uh, build out of networks and all of this funding is only going to accelerate it more. At the same time, we face mounting cybersecurity challenges, mounting climate uh, challenges. Um, So I wanted to hear a little bit about how you're thinking about resiliency and security um, while you're building out your network. So, you know, because we we have what we like to consider a carrier grade network, resiliency is key. You know, we're the network, the, traver- the, the, the services that traverse our network, uh, some, a great percentage of them are mission critical. So whether it's, you know, I always say cell, cell service now, which five, 10 years ago was not mission critical. Today it is mission, mission critical. It can't go down. Uh, many of the contracts that we sign with some of the, again, the largest wireless carriers um, have clauses in it about outages and penalties um, and also penalties on the design that we do for them to ensure that it's resilient and lives up to all of the, the commitments they've made. So we take it very seriously at First Light in terms of our design, um, having it stand up to those SLAs um, that are required. And then also on top of that, um, for security reasons, you know, Mars team, um, it, I think it was a year ago, uh, developed some security products that we layer on top of that. Um, you know, we, we've all seen on the news, uh, you know, police departments, schools, banks, all getting, you know, shut down with these DDoS attacks, ransomware. Yeah. So there are things that uh, our team has done via security to help minimize the impact of those, if not eliminate uh, as best we can. So again, on both of those, pro- those, those services, uh, we've been taking it seriously for many, many years. And in addition to that, you know, as we looked at our proposed networks for these grants, we looked at ways to, you know, create, shorten up rings, to create more resiliency, but more importantly, to lower latency. Mm Because it's great to have this high speed connection, but if it isn't engineered properly, the latency is going to be really uh, way too high and and the performance is going to be unacceptable. So that is another characteristic of the grants that the NTI is going to be looking at. And it's something that we incorporated into the design. Excellent. So um, ending kind of on on that note, I wanted to just get both of your final thoughts on that work that's underway to close the digital divide here in the U.S. Um, through all of these grants and uh, these new opportunities that the federal government has presented. Um, so what makes you optimistic about the direction we're going in? Anything that you're uh, a little worried about? Um, Mara, I'll come to you first. Sure. I think the attention um, that, that this is getting is very encouraging, that I think this time we will 
will be able to bridge the digital divide. Um, I think it's really critical that we learn from the lessons about 10 years ago, mm-hmm. not repeat those mistakes. So make sure that the projects are sustainable. I'm really hoping that the NTIA, when they see these applications, will really factor that in uh, because you need an, an experienced operator um, to be able to keep these networks up that have sufficient resources to be able to pay for the rights of way and, and the constant up keep. So I'm hoping that that will also be factored in so that these networks can be truly leveraged to the benefit of the community. Very well said. Um, how about you, Patrick? Yeah, I view this, uh, again, I'll use the example that, you know, when the federal government uh, had the highway expansion during the 50s, you yeah. know, that was a massive pro- project that had both public and private interest aligned politically. Everybody was aligned. It made all the sense in the world. Um, and I think what that's that's what this next round for broadband is going to be. Um, and to Mara's point, you know, we hope that the NTA takes uh, sustainability very seriously. I expect they will. Um, you know, the challenges, I think we all know them. It's going to be supply chain. It's going to be workforce. Are, do we have enough folks um, to build this network as quickly as we need them? So. That's really what we're working on, and and hopefully we can get there. All right. Well, it sounds like someone's calling to demand that you deliver them fiber faster. So let me let you both go. Thank you so much for your time today, and good luck with those NTIA grants. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you again, Mara and Patrick, for joining me. Thank you as well to our producer, Pierre Landriau, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more episodes of The Divide, as well as interviews and insights from the Light Reading team. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.